This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. No mai, hairi mai, ki ora tanakwe, Free FM 89.0, Independent Community Media, Happy New Year! And if you've just woken up out of your slumber, you've been uh, on the turps overnight and having a good New Year's Eve party, welcome to the new year. Welcome to January 1, 2023. It is day one. We've got 357 to go. This is number one New Zealand, three weeks, 1967 this day. And as we listen to the Hollies, it's, as I said, January 21, 1948. 75 years ago, the Clement Attlee Labour government nationalises British Rail. Existing companies in the restructure brought under one umbrella under the 1947 Transport Act. This um, British Railways established. The business name of the railway became the British Transport Commission under Lord Harkham. The British Transport Commission was decommissioned in, uh, on January 1, New Year's Day, 1964. And from 1948, Wandering the King's Highway. This is the late Peter Dawson. So long to you, got to be on the road again. So long to you. Got to hitch up my own again. It's been great to meet you here. Right good company and right good cheer. Now then, my lads, anyone like the company of one life is life. I can say night and day, nothing ever worries me. Nights are closed. It's good to be alive, comrades, farewell. What if we never meet again? The memory will stay. As I go, rain or snow, wandering the king's highway. I've always been a rover, summer and winter too. Wandering the wide world over. Ramping the whole life through But when I start my journey At the dawn of another day I gave a health to comrades Hells of the great highway So long to you Got to be on the road again So long to you Got to hitch up my load again. It's been great to meet you here. Right good company and right good cheer. Now then, my lads, anyone like to come with me? A world's life is life. I can say night and day, nothing ever worries me. Night's a 
like it could to be alive. Oh, comrades, farewell. What do we never meet again? FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. This is Cosmopolitan News and Views. Yes, we're back. Well, I'm back. It's quarter to one, wandering the King's Highway, the late Peter Dawson. As we remember this day in 1948, British Rail was nationalised. It's a quarter to one. Observing birthdays this day, you may not remember the name, but you remember her character if you watch the soaps. Actress Sheila Mercier, Kingston upon Hull, January 1, 1919. Sister of actor Brian Ricks, 1924-2016. Sheila Mercier debuted in 1939's A Murder Has Been um, Arranged at the Palace Hull. Debuted on BBC television in 1958. Between 1972-94 and 1995-96 and 2009, Mercia as Annie Sugden in Emmerdale Farm. Um, she made 1,597 appearances on Emmerdale. Mercia died aged 100, December 4, 1919. We're celebrating the actress Sheila Mercier, born this day. 
She played Annie Sugden on Emmerdale. And, of course, she died at the age of, the grand old age of 100. And uh, we're remembering her this day. It's 11 minutes to 1 o'clock. Well, Happy New Year. You you were in, at, in the fort uh, last week while I was uh, having lunch somewhere else. How uh, are you? I am well and hoping everyone else is because we've got a new year ahead of us and we need our health to see us through. Well, we've got uh, guests coming up. Mel, who's coming in to talk to us? Chelsea Bowden is from Tohonga Oeo Matangaro Rongwa, a Māori healer at Te Eo Mahi in Frankton. Uh, most Pākehā wouldn't make much of that, especially the pronunciation, but I wonder, Chelsea, if you can tell us how it is that you regularly are to be found uh, frequenting uh, Central Frankton. Our shop in Frankton is very easy to find. Uh, the community fondly call it the Māori shop, and it can be found between the Vinnie shops down towards the pub on um, Commerce Street. That's a special part of our city. Do you feel it's distinctive, and what is it that sets it apart from other parts? You're right, it is distinctive. I remember coming to Frankton for the first time when I first moved to Hamilton nine years ago and thinking, this is a town completely apart from the rest of Hamilton. It has its own life force, its own modi, so to speak. Um, it's, I remember going to the markets on a Saturday morning and it's just vibrant and had its own little appeal. Well, well, for many years, Frankton was dominated, of course, by Forlongs, and Frankton are still there, but in a, in a smaller size at the moment. But Frankton's always been a bit bohemian, hasn't it? Yes, it has. You can always find all sorts of different things going on at the markets on a Saturday, little crystals and rocks and tie-dye clothing. And how did this little niche of Maoridom find its way into a shop? That is a good question. Um, like all things that come into fruition, they just happen because they're meant to. Um, this little Māori shop started off as a small business idea to sell Ponamu and now it's grown massively. Um, we have kite weaving, uh, carvings, beautiful Māori paintings, lots of different pieces of art, toy Māori. Um, we sell rongoa as well, balms and creams and tonics to help with people's health. And we've even expanded to a healing clinic. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's come into its own. You mentioned Ponamu. <gasps> Ponamu. Greenstone. Mm. Aren't there restrictions on the sale of this precious tamari? Yes, absolutely there are, which is why we are licensed sellers um, and hold uh, the right to collect. A collector's right, a collector's certificate is, is what we have to sell Ponamu. Do you sense that in the Ponamu that you handle is special forces at work? Every stone that comes into our shop has a life force of its own. Each stone is a life on its own. Yeah. It contains Modi um, and each one is treated with its due respect as something living. Um, and when these stones go to people, they are blessed 
by a tohunga, a a priestess who works for God and recognises the life in the stone and its role that it will play in another person's life. There must be a story about your tomoko on your chin because... During the holidays, I read the story of the TV3 reporter getting criticised online about her tamoko, and she just practically told them to, you know, go where. And what's the story about your tamoko? Well, I would have told them to go exactly where too. Um, my moko kauai is my personal story, my identity, my journey. Um, it tells that I am from Taranaki, that my iwi is Te Ateawa, that my hapu is Puketapu. It tells that I come from the far north, from a little beach called Topo Bay. It tells my journey through university, through completing my PhD in English literature. Um, and it tells of my journey becoming a tohunga of Eo Matangaro, a priestess of Eo. Um, so, yeah, for each person who wears a moko kawai, it's a statement of their identity. It yeah. says, I'm Māori, and this is the journey that I've been on. Well, of course, we remember Māori, who had to, had a few run-ins with a priestess too, and uh, I think they didn't go too well, these confrontations. And do you remember their stories? <laughs> well, you've got to be careful who you cross. Priestesses are matakite, seers, and... Um, each one has different abilities. You mentioned your study of English literature. Yes. Māori has or it hasn't? Māori uh, has not actually been involved in my particular study of English literature. Um, that was a passion. I've always been a great reader. Um, I love books. I've actually just finished um, a stint working at Books for Kids for two and a half years, selling children's books. Um I'm not too sure what I will do with that PhD, but it's something I've enjoyed greatly and is completely different from where I'm at in life now. Well, we can imagine that historically English literature reveals a life that would be um, estranged for Māori. Well, yes, it's two completely different worlds. And yet the similarities in the hierarchy, the aristocracy, Mm. do you think so? Yes, I'd say so. It depends on what kind of story you're looking at, but um, many narratives contain stories of oppression, of minority groups um, being treated unfairly. Um, A a lot of my work and my literature looked at that actually from um, a a queer perspective. Actually, my studies were on queer literature specifically. Mm. But we also have to look at Maori literature and take it in the translation. It's it's like other works that are translated into other languages. There are problems in the translation. I'll give you an example: the Bible. It's in. It's all in the translation. Is is that observed within Maori literature too? Yeah, absolutely. It would be. Um, languages are complex and delicate tools, mm-hmm. and when you get differences between Maori and English in translation, it, it can be very problematic. Sometimes you can lose a sense of the meaning. In Māori, for instance, you have a a singular word that can carry vast connotations. I think the the word anxiety in English has maybe 10 or so different 
words in Māori mm. that can convey different forms of anxiety. Do, do, you, do you look at the books by Stacey and Scotty Morrison and look at their books of Māori translations? They're very popular around the world, etc., etc. Their books of translations? Yes. Or, or their books of yeah, Te well, Māori they, language? They, 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 yeah, they've, they've translated English into Māori and uh, they've been bestsellers in the last uh, generation. Mm. I think for Stacey and Scotty Morrison, um, they take language very seriously. They're, they're both incredible academics in, in terms of the Māori language, and that's their specialty. I think they're, they're popular and um, well-known for a good reason. They know what they're doing. We have to think back to another generation because Scotty's uncle was, of course, the late Sir great Sir Hal Morrison, and Sir Hal, in his later years, he put emphasis on learning the Māori language properly. Mm, well, immersion. Immersion is the best way to learn a language, um, and that's a kaupapa very strictly ingrained in a lot of Māori language learning methods in our country. You find it all over the place. You used the expression, Chelsea, of tohunga. Mm. You also said priestess. Mm. Is this suggesting that you have some special powers? <laughs> I do not have any special powers. Um, I am a priestess of Eo. Uh, a tohunga can mean priestess, priestess, among other things. It can mean expert. Um, in my particular field, I work for Eo, for God. Um, only the creator of the universe has these special powers. I use matakite, intuition, to connect with Eo and do healing work through Eo. Um, but I'm just a human conducting eels work. Nothing wrong with that? No, absolutely not. But we're fallible, but in the Maori way of examining life, did you pick up the suggestion that even the all-powerful can err and we find the values that still run thick in human veins, revenge, misunderstandings? <laughs> Is that how you see that relationship? Absolutely. Um, in the Māori creation story, in Te Whakapapa of the universe, we humans are descendants of the gods. We come from Papa Tuanuku and Ranginui, um, Earth Mother and Sky Father, and from them, they descend from Eor, from the creator of the universe. So. We are children of God. Yeah. We are children of the universe. Yeah, but some people wouldn't agree with that. There's a there's a, flo a blogger come Lee Lawrence. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's he's and he's a very racist man. He's from England, mm -hmm. and he's he's he is there online. And mommy, you watch his videos, and I watched. I just watched one of his videos yesterday. It was very very racist. Um, he just said one of the things he did say was Maori aren't the first people of the land. So you probably disagree with that. Well, uh, Moriori with the first one. <laughs> yeah, Moriori. Um, everybody has a right to live on this land. Māori came to this land. Pākehā came to this land. The important thing is about accepting still everyone. coming. Well, yes, people are still coming to this land. You know, it's, New Zealand is such a diverse, multicultural country, and it's one that I like to think opens its arms to all walks of life. But unfortunately, we get we get these immigrants. This guy is from England, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, people are asking him for being deported. So maybe he will be sent back to where he comes from. 
Maybe, but, you know, no naughty people. You mentioned that only recently had closed the business that serviced the needs for children to oh, read. The business is still going. Um, I simply worked there. In a business of that kind, it's acknowledging, isn't it, that children are reached by potentially literature in a written form. Absolutely. And that's long been established, mm -hmm. centuries of mm -hmm. use of books. But Māori have a, a stronger tradition than it seems most Pākehā communities, that of the oral telling of stories. Yes, yes. Do you see changes in that from a, an academic perspective? The, the fact that Māori were without a written language, it seems. Well, the world is governed by written language. Um, and you can see the emergence of Māori language coming into written form. Uh, yeah, more strongly now than ever. You know, on the internet, everything's reliant on, on textual language, on, mm. on written language. But you've got oral traditions online too, you know, with reels and video platforms. Language really dictates how the world runs. Well, well, for, for the children, of course, they have uh, Maori television have translated old SpongeBob into Te Reo. Have you seen any of those episodes? Oh, no. <laughs> if we were children, if we were children now, we'd more likely engage with a visual presentation mm. than a written one. Yes. Is it changing children? Hmm. That's a big question. Is visual medium changing children? I think children are much more inclined to interact with digital environments um, than their physical environment. We get a lot of, well, we used to get a lot of customers coming into the store when I worked at Books for Kids um, who asked, how, how can I get my children reading? All they want to do is sit on their devices. Um, so it can be problematic for a lot of parents who, who want their children to interact with the physical environment around them. Do you write much yourself? Do I write? Well, I wrote a PhD thesis, so um, that was quite a lot. How many years? <laughs> it took me six years from the beginning to the end. Give us the headlines. What was this thesis about? <laughs> <laughs> My thesis is entitled um, Transgender Representation in Western Fiction from 1928 to 2018. Oh, old books you've been into. Yes, well, the oldest ones are those of Virginia Woolf. Um, specifically Orlando. Yep, I've seen I've seen seen the movie. She was an interesting character, old Virginia Woolf. Sadly, she committed suicide in the end. So um, yes, she did. It, it, it's sad, but you also have to ob observe with the Maori children their attitudes to the world these days, and you can see it now. That it's an alleged that a lot of these youngsters are doing all the ram raids, and but but who's controlling these kids doing the ram raids? Well, that's not to say that just Māori children are doing yep. the ram raids, is it? Was it a grueling experience to present your thesis for doctoral dissertation? Um, the whole process could be described as having grueling aspects. It was hard work and at times very stressful. Um, but once I came to the point of 
presenting it at an oral confirmation um, and getting the tick on the piece of paper, it felt incredible. Did you also observe Matariki last year? Um, in my own way, in my own quiet way. Um, Matariki is about um, family and um, it's about acknowledging your tūpuna um, mm. and about looking ahead to the future. What are you going to do in 2023? What am I going to do in 2023? I'm going to follow the wind. Radio broadcast. <laughs> well, well, why not? Well, I, I reckon you should get hold of Murdoch here at Free FM. He's our Maori coordinator and you can have a chat to Murdoch. Oh, that would be lovely. Getting back to Frankton. Mm, yes. There are signs it's still incomplete of a lot of apartments going up so close to the main street. They are Main Street addresses, just uplifted one level so that they still have retail often in the bottom. Mm. That means a lot of people living so close to all the bookshops and businesses such as yours, which is changing its name, I believe. Yes, yes. We are currently in the process of rebranding. So uh, people who walk down the street might see the sign outside read, Te Eo Mahi, um, and at the pro at the moment we are in the process of changing it to Te Kaha or Eo. And what differences do you see both in the business through that name change? Because there's a business, you need to show a profit. There's rent to pay, mm-hmm. but also in the people who go to the market or ordinary business shopping during office hours mm-hmm. in Frankton. Yeah, the difference is, is that before. Um, there was some inconsistency in the names. It's had a few different names over the past, um, and I think people find it hard to make the connection between its online presence and its physical presence. So with this new name, we're starting afresh and putting it across multiple social media platforms. Um, we've started a TikTok and an Instagram, and we've got a Facebook page. You can find us at Te Kaha or Eo. That's T-E-K-A-H-A-O-I-O. Um, and we've got a website coming up as well, um, tekahaoio.co.nz. Are you going to show some Māori art because the demise of your the gallery in Frankton, and uh, sadly that is, that is closed, and I notice the other gallery on Victoria Street, that is now closed, so we've lost two art galleries in town that have displayed lots of paintings over the years. Yeah, well, we do have a lot of interest in our our Māori art, our carvings and paintings. Our shop is very small, unfortunately, and we have limited space for... Intimate. Yes, intimate. You were there yesterday. It is, it's cosy. Um, I think we make use of the space as much as we can. We we fill the walls with artwork. Uh, As time goes, inevitably there'll be intermarriage between cultures of New Zealand. There already is. It's accelerating. Mm. I suggest that because the blending of people of different heritages Mm. is becoming difficult for people to trace. Well, no, not in the sense of being able to figure it out, the actual connections, but to follow where it's going and spreading. And in the end, there could be a tendency to look upon one's identity not so much looking to the past, but looking to the future. It suggests almost a new entity of citizens of Aotearoa. 
Wouldn't that be just beautiful? Does it sound peaceful? <laughs> it does. It sounds like a world where everybody is encouraged to be who they are, um, regardless of their background, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of their identity. Um, my identity is quite complex. So I am a genderqueer woman. I am a Māori Pākehā. <laughs> I live in all sorts of complex identities, as many people do. Multiple identities, all in all in one package. Have you? Oh, turn the mic on. Have you got? Have you got any Scottish in you? Any Scottish? Yes. Yes, I do have Scottish heritage, among many other forms of heritage. Well, we're going to take a bit of a break just to rest the voices and play something Scottish. And thank you for coming, Chelsea Bowden. Thank you for having me, Mel. It's Thank a pleasure. Partner, have a, have a good Sunday afternoon. Whatever you're going to do for the rest of the day. Is it back back to work, is it? No, it's Sunday. I think it's going to be a day of whatever we want. <laughs> that is that is your partner in the background, by the way, folks. Hey, have a good have a good Sunday. We'll leave you with Andy Stewart and something. It's called I think it's called the Heart of Midlothian. This is Scotland. will never die on the spot within the royal mile with pride. Let Scotsmen stand, for here is the heart of Midlothian. To the west there stands a castle famed in age-old history And to the east a palace fair and royal yet to see While north, south, east and the west you'll find your Indian native land When you stand at the heart of Midlothian It's a heart that's ever beating, it's a heart that's ever high It's the pride of Scotland's glory and its fame will never die Yes, that is Andy Stewart on the heart of Midlothian. Well, last year, let's look back in the news of last year, Boris Johnson was told to walk. He was booted. Well, he got booted out. He was voted out. They didn't want him anymore. And there was a guy in London who had loudspeakers outside the Commons. He was just one of those people who uh, didn't like uh, the parliamentarians. And this guy was told outside the Commons to play a particular song. So as Boris Johnson walked, this guy played a very familiar theme. It's the Benny Hill theme.
FM 89.0. That, is, of course, is the Bonanza theme from Al Kaola. We speak now to a man familiar to many in local politics, Western Curtin. Good afternoon, sir. Oh, good afternoon. How are we? Oh, good, thank you. Happy New Year. You everyone. to you too. So uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, there's a question of closures. There's a question of closures of different businesses that are up and down the rural heartland of New Zealand, Aotearoa, and it affects, among other regions, that of which Western Curtin is the Ruapehu Mayor. Recently, Western, there was a suggestion that the long-established facilities in one of those rural towns um, might be redundant. Uh, If the question of balancing the budget arise, then hold on to your hats. The wind of change is upon us. Is that the mood? (laughs) As Rapehu Mayor, you've seen this process at work, and recently it was suggested that the Oakune district courthouse might be closing. Where does that feature at this stage? Well, my understanding is that it's been going on for some time that the uh, fact that the uh, Ohukuni courthouse has some issues around safety uh, and, of course, the earthquake uh, risks associated with new legislation. So it's always been known that uh, there needs to be upgrades in many rural uh, courthouses, but in this one particularly is um, of a concern because they are suggesting that we should do away with the courthouse uh, so that uh, some of the people that are connected with the court, the lawyers, uh, judges and um, people that are offenders, um, they are now exposed to going to a bigger area and I think it's tie has been suggested. But the logistics of that, of course, is um, uh, of concern because many of the people that we have in our community, smaller communities, don't have any public transport. Uh, they obviously need to get to a bigger area and um, not having a bus service, not having a taxi service, not having a train service is of concern. Many of these people, of course, come from various backgrounds and low-income groups may not actually have a car or afford uh, the petrol to put in the car go to an area. Western we're about support people as well. Western, knowing what how courts were being being part of media for for a few years and observing that the powers that be brought in audio visual links into the courthouses, but we do know some of these rural courthouses do not have the AVL links, so that is another problem too. Absolutely, the technology uh, may not be up to scratch uh, from that perspective, but as uh, we know that. Uh, most people need to be at a courthouse at various points and um, that is uh, that is an issue. So what we're doing is fighting for the re-establishment of a courthouse. We think it's only uh, fair that the courthouse is related to the communities that uh, it affects and uh, so we're not letting this one go at any stage and making sure that we get our fair share. And I can only say that in another town on Chip in the Ruapehu Tamaranui has had a significant upgrade and um, that um, you know that's taken place the last year or two, so it can be done. Uh, so I think we we need to have um, you know this courthouse in Ahukuni re-established as a courthouse for the future. How, how many times a year does the Ahukuni courthouse operate? My understanding, it's been on a um, weekly basis for various reasons, and uh, we're talking about you know some of these family courts, and we're talking about you know charges against people. So I think it's to be fair. Say that uh, even though it's a low-populated area, 
uh, the need is there, and um, we have you know quite a significant um, high, you know high uh, sort of deci group. Uh, that uh, are affected by this. So that's that's the issue here is that it's not a lack of offending people, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, it's the fact that, um, you know, we just don't have that facility handy for some people, including the legal profession. Yep. Um, my understanding is they're also uh, fighting for the cause and having it um, re-established. And even the police are saying that, um, you know, they... Uh, would prefer to have it in the in the community. Yeah, I, I, I observed this over my 60 years plus because uh, I was born in Cambridge and brought up in Cambridge. And Cambridge used to have its own courthouse, but now everything comes to Hamilton. But they saved the old courthouse building, very historic building. It's now the Cambridge Museum. You've probably been there in, in, in your time too. <laughs> Absolutely, I quite like museums, and we have a number in our area too. Uh, but um, I think this is a sort of a, a message to the government that uh, just pulling out uh, most of these services is just not fair for the rural communities, and that goes for uh, public transport as well. I think uh, we deserve to have public transport uh, in our area, and also um, you know in rural areas that um, you know can cannot get to a township or get to a school or whatever. Uh, so I think it's, you know, we need to fight for our rural services, including public transport. Because from a Oakune perspective, the nearest uh, place to conduct their court affairs, if it closed in Oakune, would be Tomaranui, 56 kilometres to the north. That's asking a lot. It certainly is. Uh, there is another option, and be, be, it's been proposed that Tai Huppi would be another one. I think it's uh, probably a lesser dis- distance, uh, but uh, they certainly, you know, each way uh, we're talking about uh, probably an hour uh, journey for a lot of people. That is a long, a long haul, uh, and um, you know, when we have an area like Ahukuni, which is a thriving little community, I think it's only fair that they have, you know, this sort of uh, facility there and handy and close by. Of course, Western, uh, the big sign, the big carrot out in Olkuni is part of part of the mystery of your town, your uh, your district. So do people come and observe the old carrot that you've got in Olkuni? Absolutely. We've made that a feature, of course. Uh, there's a lot of um, you know, playground area there and a picnic area, and uh, it's now a feature, of course, and it gets uh, not only national recognition but international recognition as well. Uh, so we were regarded as a sort of a, a vegetable growing area of New Zealand and we have fantastic soils uh, that allows that sort of winter, um, you know, harvesting of, you know, carrots and uh, potatoes and, and the like. So we've got a good reputation for growing vegetables and, of course, the carrot is a, a, a tradition, of course, in that area and uh, for good reason. They grow really well. Tell us the good news, Western Curtain, for Tomaranui. Concerning the main trunk line? Well, we've had a situation, of course, with the Northern Explorer um, coming uh, into our area. It was operating back in 2015, I think it was. Uh, the Northern Explorer uh, is one of the many um, passenger services that we've had over about 100 years on the main trunk line. And so our townships have been uh, sort of developed around the history of rail. Uh, but uh, in 2015, um, Kiwi Rail uh, decided to cut, the, I think, a number of uh, stations out of the loop uh, in regard to a tourist train rather than a, a commuter service. And Tomarinui was one of those 
trolls that were cut and uh, the reasoning was that there's not a tourist hotspot uh, and that they needed to speed it up and make it more of an express train type service and it was going to be a tourist train. We fought hard at the time. Uh, I wasn't actually on the council at the time, but uh, was really concerned that uh, we were being left behind. We were also exposed to a lack of um, public transport, no buses, no taxis, and limited um, sort of services. And uh, for Tomarano people to, tra- to travel to, say, National Park, uh, to uh, then go backwards to the likes of Auckland, it was just a nonsense. So when I became involved in this about five years ago, I decided to get a petition, uh, go to Parliament with the support of the Speaker of the House, Trevor Mullard, uh, Ian McColby and many other MPs, gave good support and uh, I got a good hearing at uh, the Select Committee, uh, but uh, Kiwi Rail were quite adamant that at that time uh, that um, they weren't going to change their views. We've been fighting hard ever since. Uh, to try and get this re-established as uh, Northern Explorer and um, various people have di- had different attempts including myself uh, and then finally uh, Kiwi Rail had acknowledged that uh, not only was it important to stop in Tamaranui but there was a tourist attraction as well of course with the rail carts and the timber trail and of course uh, the river uh, was the major attraction so we obviously got over the line uh, the fact that it was a good destination for Kiwi Rail to stop. So you, we're delighted. You've uh, long been associated with the region. Weston, yes. does your memory stretch back to the days of the Limited Express? Absolutely, do. Yeah, as a child, we, we sort of waited up uh, till about 10 o'clock in the evening to sort of see the trains go past. It was quite fascinating. And uh, growing up, and uh, my family have been in the area for over 100 years, and my grandfather was the station master, so we always had this sort of a uh, feel for the railway. We lived next door to the railway, by the way, the main trunk line, so uh, connections with rail has been quite important to our family and also the township. Uh, but uh, yes, I do remember the express, uh, and went, I went to boarding school to Auckland, and we went on the Blue Streak and the uh, other trains, so we had options. So I can remember my days of going by rail, and it was uh, just one of the things that you just did. It's, it's quite interesting that we are speaking about trains on this day because Britain nationalised their railway service on this day in 1948 and brought under their train services, there were separate train services, they brought them under one umbrella. Do you think that maybe the government needs to do a bit of kind of nationalisation of the railways, get them back into line and think of think of the customers then of money? Absolutely. I think uh, the, you know, the fact that we've now got emissions, um, emissions to deal with, the reduction, um, we've got issues around public transport or lack of, we've got people not having cars and we've got um, a populated area uh, in central North Island where they need access to, you know, centres. But um, I think you're correct in suggesting that it needs to be centralised. I've been an advocate of um, the New Zealand government uh, getting back the commuter-type services so that uh, people are going to use trains and passenger services more. Uh, at the moment, we have a silly situation where Kiwi Rail are a state-owned enterprise. Their motivation and profit come from freight. Uh, and they have no real interest in commuter-type services and probably not um, entirely their fault because the government do not fund uh, Kiwi Rail for commuter-type services. And that's why we have this uh, situation where they can only make money out of tourism 
And we saw through COVID that uh, if we don't have overseas travellers coming to this country, then the likes of the Northern Explorer and any other tourist operator uh, basically folded up. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, in the interest of New Zealanders in the future looking forward, I think we need to have the government step up and have a community-type services that's heavily subsidised, I must add, so that people change their culture from owning cars, going in cars, building roads for the new, um, you know, for highways and the likes. It's just a nonsense when you've got a, a main trunk line uh, needing to have huge upgrade and also speed up uh, people use rail just like they do in other countries, like the British uh, railway network. I mean, we'll never get anywhere near the sort of the... Uh, type of services that they provide. But the uh, rationale is exactly the same. We know that rail has an important part and is an important mode of transport uh, for any part of the world. One one good part about the transport service here in Hamilton between um, we have, as a person of 65 years old, I can travel around the city and elsewhere via here to Cambridge via a bus card. It's called a B card and it's for free. So could you see a part of that being put into a package that you may take to Michael Wood, the current ministry, current Minister of Transport. Absolutely. I think you're spot on. I think uh, we know that in the city in Auckland and Wellington and Christchurch, they have a, a gold card system and it uh, can be transferred into a B card or whatever, AT card. Uh, and so you can travel around uh, free of charge under your gold card. But once again, uh, it needs to be subsidised uh, for people to yeah. use it. So uh, that's my next uh, phase, yeah. I guess. One is yeah. to get the train to stop in Tamaranui, which has been successful. Yeah. Secondly, uh, to at least get the gold card users um, on the train as much as possible uh, and going to the minister and saying, we're not getting our share of the love that uh, the government giving some of the metropolitan areas in terms of uh, funding uh, gold card users. And um, it's only fair uh, that the Northern Explorer uh, passengers and gold card users actually use that and free of charge at best. But having said that, they already have, I think, 10% or 20%, depending on the time of the year, uh, they can um, actually use the gold card. But uh, once again, uh, to um, you know have someone travel you know, two or $300 from Auckland to Wellington is just a nonsense when you consider that many parts of the country get it free. Yeah, yeah of, of course, uh, I, knew, I had that conversation about rail and freight on the road and on, on the rails with um, retiring Hamilton East MP David Bennett. He, hmm. he preferred having freight on the roads. Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> Well, doubtless, Western, you living next to the main trunk, see all the traffic on the rails that potentially could be put on our roads with disastrous results. Absolutely. I think uh, my understanding is that um, Kiwi Rail uh, only cast, uh, well, they they freight about 10% of the total um, amount of goods that uh, we have in New Zealand. Uh, That needs to be increased, of course. Uh, so we need to get um, you know big trucks off the road yeah. and also the uh, patent, you know the cars off the road for obvious reasons, the emissions reduction, for example. Transport yeah. is a huge part of that. I think that's where the government will probably have to sit up and acknowledge that uh, their bigger win uh, from emission reduction is going to be through transport and agriculture, of course. Yeah. Uh, but um, I think it's timely that we put pressure on governments. And uh, if we do have a change of government, who knows? Uh, but we've got to sort of change the attitude of the National Party's position at the present time. Not being, critis- not being critical, but I think they need to actually address 
uh, rail has been an important mode of transport in the future, and I've been focusing yeah. on roading rather than trans on um, trains. So I think we need to change that culture, and I think it will come through public trans uh, public transport. Sorry, public uh, pressure, and uh, we'll probably. Um, play a part in that as a government. On a personal note, you're just talking about rugby. Are you any relation to the former All Black Earl Curtin? Yes, Earl Curtin was born in Pomeranui. Uh, his father was Western uh, and um, grew up uh, uh, because my grandparents were in Pomeranui, exactly where we live at the moment. Uh, and so uh, Earl uh, played his days um, uh, in uh, Pomeranui, played uh, by a little club called Mananui, which uh, yeah of course is where we come from so yes uh Earl's still going well and uh we certainly have some is he, is he still is he still working you know, as a as dentist growing up um always used to listen to the um the rugby by the radio or if not tv um when he was playing uh, on another personal note my old teacher at kaipaki primary school was john curtin any relation uh john curtin was my he too is part of our family uh, he is my cousin. Yes, he he taught me from 1962 to about 1969. Oh. Yes, so <laughs> it's it's. I just had to ask that question because the name Curtin is. Um, yes, that's, that's right. Well, his, uh, his father was uh, Ridley, and he was the oldest member of that family. He was a teacher himself. <laughs> well, no one need wonder where you stand, Western Curtin, in relation to issues of transport, because you've long held views that. You're getting to express more now that you are the real Pehu Mayor. <laughs> it's, uh, I feel a bit recycled, but uh, yeah, it's a privilege to be the Mayor again. Uh, I do have experience of regional council as well, uh, and uh, so, so I know the ins and outs of public transport and also the gaps that need to be filled, in my view. We'll, we'll have to have this, extend this conversation to other weeks because when winter comes on, and of course we hope uh, you get some snow at the real Pehu <laughs> when the winter comes. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, that's another issue we probably have to deal with another day, but uh, certainly that's what we're hoping for. And um, yeah, the experts tell us that it's going to be a neutral sort of uh, climatic change there, so hopefully we do get some skiing uh, hey, in you know, July. It's a pleasure, Weston, talking to you. Have a good Sunday afternoon. And a happy new Thanks year. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Yep. Bye bye. Hey, it's a, it's a small world when you. When you've got a famous all-black relation, and my old teacher at Kaipaki School was another relation too, so all immersed in Māori and uh, Te Reo. Well, of course, a lot of New Zealanders were born under the Irish banner.
brilliant stuff. The Irish tenors, Willie Lassigo. One of those tenors, of course, was um, he had artificial legs. It is 24 minutes to 2 o'clock. I think we're going to speak to the next Mel. A Happy New Year to Martin Gallagher. Hello, Martin. Happy New Year, mate. Yeah. Happy New Year to all you, all you and your listeners, obviously. Well, you, you told me last year you're being repurposed. So what has a repurposed Martin Gallagher been up to lately? Oh, no, no. They're just doing uh, post-council stuff and some family-related um, stuff. So, yeah, yeah, just uh, living life, really. We've just had a conversation with a, um, the Rua Pehu district mayor very concerned about the future of rail um, celebrating the return of a scheduled stop at Tomaranui for the northerner but lamenting that there aren't more carriages for passengers with people affording the travel on the main trunk and also freight as I understand it correct me if I'm wrong, the Northerners currently purpose is a tourist train uh, and it's not a what you call a passenger commuter train so the pricing level would will, will, will totally exclude uh, many people from being able to use it, uh, you know, to get to and from Tamanui, either Tamanui up north or Tamanui south. So how do you see Tehuia for its future? The commuter well, I mean, express between I, Hamilton and, and Auckland. Can, can, I just, uh, can I just cut to the chase here? If we look at Australia, right, all metropolitan uh, state capitals, Sydney, Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide, you name it, have appropriate trains going to lesser population areas. You know, Sydney, Wollongong, uh, Brisbane, Ipswich, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Brisbane up to Caboolture. So basically, uh, rail, passenger rail, is very much part of the Australian continent's uh, narrative. And in that sense, uh, New Zealand has got a heap of catching up to do. So uh, Tehuia, I hope, will grow and prosper. There's some real work to be done in terms of getting uh, improving its connections uh, into downtown Auckland, albeit they've now got it to the Strand. Uh, In that, I want to give an incredible advocacy award uh, to Ewan Wilson and Dave McPherson uh, for their incredible advocacy in promoting Tahuia and improving the connections, particularly the Puanui, which is the airport link. But I think um, irrespective of who ends up as government at the end of the year, it is crucial that we've started the journey with Tahuia. It must continue um, because there's already very clear benefits. Friends and family and my use it regularly as a commuter service uh, and to me, I just hope it carries yeah. on. Martin, in I, addition to oh, that, I just, sorry, I'll just say yeah. one thing in addition to that. I think we've got to have a real revisit of passenger rail in New Zealand. We are a unique country in the world that does not have a significant comprehensive passenger rail yeah. service. Marty, Marty, today Britain's uh, this day back in 1948 it nationalised its railways. Do you think there needs to be partial nationalisation? And uh, Western Curtin agreed with this of our railway service. Maybe um, it's the passengers instead of profit. 
Well, I think there has to be overall strategic direction and, and compliments to this government, and this is a neutral statement. Uh, I think there's very clear evidence that they are putting a lot of attention, particularly in terms of developing the rail service uh, in the Auckland metro area. Uh, and certainly I think we need to work with this government or whoever is the government at the end of the year uh, to roll out passenger rail. And I think um, the role of rail and some our communities and Western Curtains onto it for the Tamanuas and the Waiuras of this world, I think are, are quite uh, crucial. Uh, in addition, obviously, you want a good rail network to move as much freight as you can. That's just what you associate with a modern uh, transport infrastructure. Any signs of movement, the mood of the city, and the question of the founders from your perspective? Right. Look, um, the only thing uh, when the council is now, uh, as we understand it, in terms of emotion that was uh, principally moved by um, Dave McPherson, supported by myself, Ewan Wilson and Sarah Thompson and others, um, uh, to... Um, to look at a open review of the founders set with an open mind to see if we have still the option of rather than um, destroying the founders set building site which I think is environmentally um, negative obviously just imagine all that uh, everything being carted away there but looking at uh, using some of that cost towards a repurposing of the founders uh, site uh, so, because there is very much needed community facilities needed still in the city, uh, it's not necessarily ideal, but to me, um, you achieve two things. You preserve a historic building, which has huge meaning to many, many Hamiltonians, uh, but also you, you look at, I think, what are some exciting options uh, for that site and for most of the current building as well. And, and big shout out to Margaret and Toti Trust, uh, also, um, other organisations have now clearly indicated that they want council to have a, a new look uh, at that site, along with others, uh, and that's what I understand council is now doing. Well, I, I regularly go past the new building on Victoria Street. When is construction going to start again? It's just sitting there at the moment. There's no, there's no movement at all. Oh, the, the new theatre now, and, and look, Look, I can't. I'm not. I can't answer that. I'm obviously just a general member of the public. I'm sure that reconstruct the the construction will start early in the new year. Uh, and and don't get me wrong. I, I do a huge um, shout out to Momentum and the council, who was a significant funder on behalf of the residents and ratepayers of the city uh, for the new uh, theatre development in downtown Hamilton at the old Hamilton Hotel site. So that will be a wonderful uh, asset to our city. But uh, all I've said all along, you know, when the Founders was first built, we were a city of, what, 45, 50,000. Now we're a, a, an urban city of, of 200 and, and a hinterland of another 100,000. So you really look at facilities that serve central Waikato population of two to 300,000 people. So there's still, in my view, a place uh, for, for, for the Founders as well as the brand new Hamilton Theatre in, in Victoria Street. Yep, we've we've got to we've got to bring in some of these national and overseas acts in, into Hamilton. It would make a lot of instead of people going to the rugby, if they could go to a show with their favourite rock band, uh, they could use all the facilities around town. And um, boy, oh, it, it would bring oh, the city I, alive. 
look, I think if you look at the Broadlands Arena, if you look at the new Hamilton Theatre, uh, if you look at possibly some niche uh, uh, performances in terms of the Founders Theatre site, I think we do have a range of options now. And, and certainly I give great credit to the leadership of this council, previous councils, and also Creative Waikato and the arts community. So, uh, you know, you live in a place, uh, Hamilton, Kirikura, if you want to go to a sports game, you have the facilities to do that. If you want to experience the creative sector, uh, we have the facilities to do just that as well. So this is what a holistic city looks like, is we, we have many, many choices and, and um, many options, particularly to encourage creative performance and arts, but also to welcome some of our best sports teams to the town as well. Yes, no, um, I, 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 haven't, I haven't had a look at the um, list of the winners. Well, the people have got uh, awards. I'd, um, awards in the Queen's Birthday Honours list. I haven't seen anybody from Hamilton. Have you observed anybody from Hamilton you know? As well, Professor, I'll just do it. There are other, some significant awards there, but I'll do a big shout-out to yeah. uh, Professor Bruce Clarkson. Yes. Uh, who's been given the Order of New Zealand. He is now the Deputy Chair of the Waikato Regional Council. His contribution uh, to conservation and environment have been enormous, and his contribution with the Waikato University. Uh, Bruce and, and his wife, Mrs Clarkson, they've been incredible in what they've done. Uh, we have a lot. We owe Bruce a lot. Uh, the saving of Lake Fofokariki and, yes. the, you know, the, the development out there, the Fofokariki Zoo area, uh, Bruce has had a huge role on that. So I'll just take him as one example yep. of the Hamilton, but I congratulate him. And also, um, he is now playing an incredibly important role as the Deputy Chair of our Waikato yep. Regional uh, Council. Uh, he is, dare I say, a person who has absolutely displayed incredible uh, academic excellence and also deep personal integrity. Yeah. And another person we noticed on the list, of course, head of the list, is Dr Ashley Bloomfield. Well observed yeah. and well thought of. Oh, a- absolutely. And and also uh, at a time when our society and nation was facing, you know, the most significant uh, crisis, if you like, since the so-called Spanish influenza yeah. post-World War One. Uh, so I, I think uh, the knighthood for him is symbolic. Yeah to honour him yep. and his incredible team. And and in England, uh, Queen guitarist Brian May was made a sir. He's more than a guitarist. He's an academic himself and fashion icon Mary Quant. They both got um, knighted yeah, look, and got a damehood. I mean, I, it doesn't matter whether what society, whether it's a royal honour or you look in different societies where they're republics. I think it's always good for a society and a city uh, to, to acknowledge uh, citizens who are making a great contribution. And in that sense, it was my great pleasure uh, to have chaired the Civic Awards Committee in, at the council when I was a councillor. Yep. And, you know, the number of heroes you come across and you want to know about uh, is, is just stunning. And, and can I just do a big yes. plug to it? Yep, the, go for it. The, the next nominations are coming up soon for the, the, the Hamilton Civic Awards. Just to keep an eye out and, and just make sure that we get the unsung heroes uh, in that list. Hey, Marty, it's a pleasure. I hope it's not the last time in 2023 that we do speak to you. We may we may get uh, Margaret in here to just give us up to date on the Founders Theatre, and I'm going to play a song from an artist who did appear at the Founders back in the 60s and 70s. So, Marty, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great to talk to you, and great. You, you guys run a, a very great show. Oh, and, uh, 
Obviously, as part of the free FM community, you know, the free FM is one of our great... <coughs> Jewels in the crown of Hamilton, in wow. my humble view. Thank you, Marty. Bye-bye. It's a pleasure. Um, former City Councillor, former MP, Martin Gallagher. Hey, right now, just uh, some words of wisdom from our usual contributor in Dwayne Porter. Good afternoon, Dwayne. Yeah, good afternoon. How are we? Oh, pretty good. What do you got to, re- what do you got to report? Well, um, on the... Before Christmas, the... Or what do you call it? The... Christmas Eve, there was that big um, fire in Christmas Street, Collingwood Street. Yeah, it's it's right next door to the house that burnt down with uh, those teens were killed. That's that's going back a while now, but it's right next door to uh, where those teens got killed in that drug house. Yep, and um, apparently um, it happened around about uh, 11.30 midnight. They had uh, eight fire appliances from Tarapa, Piketty, Central, um, near Wahia, yeah. um, Kiao and Cambridge. Well, when I, when you and I finish here, we're going to go for a little walkabout this afternoon. We'll go down and have just a, have a look at it. <coughs> I, I used to walk past that time, play, place all the time, and uh, we can't say who did it uh, or where they did it because um, we, uh, we don't uh, want to make assumptions until uh, they've investigated. But uh, seriously, there was, there was a truck fire on Christmas Day in, out in Tarapa, so a big pall of smoke over the city that day. I don't know, you were in Auckland, so you, di- you didn't see it. But uh, sadly, uh, of course, um, I know to Centre Place has uh, got some of the glass window, glass doors back in action. And uh, they've planted some planters right in front of one of the entrances of Centre Place, so people will not be able to uh, ram raid uh, Centre Place. It's very easy to ram raid one of those pot plants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but uh, yeah. Also, um, yeah. So with that, um, with that fire, um, it completely was gutted. Um, the bottom part was the dentist. He got um, water damage. Apparently, it was started behind the building, and then from there you could see the roof of the iron was all flared up, and that's why they had to close the whole um, Tristram Street and Collingwood Street end. And then from there, um, the next morning, um, I was walking past, and one of the um, the owners of the premises, and I was talking to. Um, another builder who actually does all the fire damage jobs. We were there mostly all afternoon, um, boiling everything up, but high fences around yep. it. Well, I'm, go- I'm going to observe it. At, 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 this pro- at this moment, it is allegedly suspicious, so we'll leave it to the observers. <coughs> um, that's it at the present moment. He's keeping us informed on what's going around the city. And as I promised Marty, we play a song from an artist who did appear at the Founders Theatre. Next up, we talk for the first time in 2023 to Trevor. Some people try to say the kilt is not the thing to wear. In fact, they say the kilt is out of date. But I've got special reasons for wearing mine and so I'll tell you if you only care to wait 
I used to wear a pair of breeks before I took a wife. But after I'd been wed a week or three, I sold my trousers, but the kilt. The reason is because I'll explain it if you listen now to me. Every night I used to hang my trousers up at the back of the bedroom door. I rode the day. I must have been a jay. I'll never hang them up. We have to leave uh, Andy Stewart with a Harry Lauder song. The reason no, I wear the kilt. Yeah, it's a good song too. It's eight minutes to two. He's our unusual correspondent on a Sunday afternoon. Good afternoon, Trevor. Okay, good afternoon. Another, another year's rolled over. Now we're entering 2020. Well, we've actually entered 2023. Well, as, as I've observed with, yeah, another another fire just down the road here. As yeah, Dwayne was telling me before you came on here. But I, I, well, I hear so many sirens, I, 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 I don't take any notice, but I wouldn't have seen it from my, where I am because of the ACC building. Yeah. Hey, did you, did you see any smoke? Uh, was it 11 o'clock last night? Was it the fire last night, was it? Well, I'm not sure when it was. I, I didn't quite get the right time from, I thought I heard 11 o'clock or something on the radio when Dwayne was talking. Yeah, this just this just reminds me, of course, of the, the fire that uh, killed the teens in the house right next door, yeah, and uh, uh, having to enter this building. I know Martin had to be escorted into the building. I had to be escorted into the building. I had a, I sat in the back of a police car coming up here because this was a crime scene, the whole area. So wow, yeah. So uh, so so your observances of uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I haven't seen you since uh, fortnight ago. Oh, right. Well, I've sort of got a bit of ammunition for my talk today. Yeah. Now we're entering 2023. What have we learnt from 2022 to make 2023 better? Well, I don't know if we've learnt much at all. When you look at what's happening in the world war in Afghanistan and uh, money being wasted going to the moon and Mars and nothing really been done to deal with the climate. Yeah, oh, you're just talking about Afghanistan. The Taliban have banned uh, the woman people who work for all these organisations, so the Red Cross, etc., have pulled out. Oh, right. Oh, well, this is this is a trouble. Being a, the human species as we are, we're very diverse, and you've got the good and the bad and the, and the, and the real bad. And the trouble is the people who get, uh, become dictators are uh, the later description I just gave. Yeah, no, and um, so what did you do, sir, last night? Did you stay up to see the new year in? I did, actually, and I watched what's happening in, in, in Auckland with Sky Tower fireworks, but I don't think it was quite as good a fireworks display as previous years. Uh, but uh, I, I could be wrong, but my memory of the one couple of years back was very spectacular. Yes, and uh, you you saying that the new ACC building is uh, being built and it's, it's coming to fruition. When does when it officially open? It was supposed to be finishing in March this year. Well, ho- hopefully um, between you and Wayne you'll give us the latest information. It's good to see you back here and uh, you enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon. We're going to have a bit of a bit of a sandwich outside 
Is it warm outside? It, it's, it's a bit cool and very windy. Yeah, I am also noting at home mosquitoes. You've got the windows open and mosquitoes start. I'm very lucky when it comes to mosquitoes, they never bite me. Yeah, well, I woke up with a few well, mosquito bites this morning. <laughs> I've never had a mosquito. Sometimes I hear them buzz around me, and then the next thing they disappear very quickly. Yeah, well, you, you, that's when you get the can out. I've sprayed around my place this afternoon, well, this morning, so hopefully some of those bugs will not be there when I get home later this evening. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, so. Anyway, welcome back, and uh, I, I believe you were here on Christmas Day. I didn't hear the show, but uh, I believe you and Mel uh, had a good time. Oh, yes, it's... Uh it went by fairly quickly, and uh, uh, it was quite a good day. Well, you'll be observing through the week. Oh, just to tell you that a couple of the galleries are now closed in Hamilton. The gallery on Victoria Street has closed. Is that the aesthetic gallery? Yes, it is, it is closed. Oh, it's and, a lot. of course, the gallery yeah. in Franklin is gone. Yeah, there's two galleries I frequent. Yeah, so uh, you'll have to find another gallery. Yeah, well, this is right. I mean, they're hey, so handy, those ones. Hey, maybe you'll have to go and have a chat to our guest earlier over in Frankton uh, with Māori Art and all the... Where about ma- in, in Frankton, is she? I, I think you'll have to ask our, our colleague. I don't recognise the shop on Commerce Street down in the main shopping area. Anyway, that's us for today. Hey, it's been a pleasure back. We'll leave you with the Mike Kerb congregation from the Clint Eastwood movie, Kelly's Heroes. This is the theme to it. Burning Bridges, the Mike Curve Congregation. See you next week.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.